You're listening to another podcast on the Cloud Avengers website. My name is Richard Morrell. Thank you very much for taking time out of your day to download this file. This week we're on tour in Scotland. We're in Edinburgh at the International Conference Centre at LinuxCon Cloud Open. I'm going to be recording a series of podcasts this week with the Illuminati and keynote speakers who are taking part in the event. Hope to bring you some great content. This morning we've got a podcast for you with Dave Neary and Gordon Haff from Red Hat. First up, Dave Neary. Recording a podcast from LinuxCon Cloud Open at the Edinburgh International Conference Centre first of a series of podcasts recorded in Edinburgh this week and I'm joined by Dave Neary from Red Hat. Dave, introduce yourself because this is the second or third podcast we've done, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's the second one we've done. The last one was at the OpenStack Summit back in Portland. It in was April. in Oregon yeah. in the States earlier yeah. on this year. So you've been really busy with all the RDO community stuff but also Overt. Yeah, so so uh, OpenStack is infrastructure as a service and, but we also have kind of a traditional virtualization project called Overt. Uh, which is very similar. It's an open source kind of alternative to vSphere, and uh, and we had a, a new release recently. So so I've been I've been working with the Overt community on promoting that release and promoting the community. The last Overt podcast I did was with the illustrious John Benedict talking about version three point two, around mm. the release of three point two, which was late summer last year. So we're now three point three. Yep. And uh, what's different between three point two and three point three? So three point three, the 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 headline items for me are um, the excellent integration that we have with Gluster, mm-hmm. uh, GlusterFS. So not only does Overt manage Gluster clusters now, Gluster storage, so, yeah. uh, but we can also um, uh, integrate directly with Gluster via the, the, the native libgf API. API. All that cool stuff that came uh, with 3.4 or Gluster. Into, yeah, yeah, directly into Gluster. So we've got we've got Overt managing Gluster. We've got GlusterFS directly as shared storage for Overt instances. And uh, and it's kind of top to bottom and front to back uh, integration. So that's awesome. Uh, we also have significant uh, made significant progress in integration with OpenStack. So we've talked about OpenStack earlier. Um, Overt can consume Glance as a, a and from OpenStack image service yeah. as, a, as a native service for images. And uh, and the second is our integration with Neutron, mm-hmm. formerly known as Quantron, the, uh, Quantum, Quantum yeah. uh, the network service for OpenStack. So you can integrate uh, directly uh, network configurations that are made in net Neutron and, and use those in Overt. All this software-defined networking stuff is really quite cool, isn't it? All this stuff that we traditionally do with hardware that now people are able to do the configuration file. Yeah, it is pretty awesome, especially with uh, with the project Open Daylight coming out yeah. uh, very soon with their with their first source code release. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, I've been discovering uh, over the last six months the 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 kind of thing that you can do with just Open vSwitch and GRE tunnels and network namespaces. Mm-hmm. It's now possible to you know, do a complete VLAN solution with completely open source stuff with just open vSwitch. Um, I, I watched, I watched the webcast you did a couple of weeks ago talking about that, and it, it is quite staggering the amount of stuff. But here, here's, here's a question I'm going to pose to you. Open source has always changed the paradigm of how IT is consumed by big enterprises because what you find is that traditionally, if you go turn the clock back 10 years, the people who had the skills were people who'd been on a, a Cisco course and they got their CISP managing a Cisco PIX or whatever. Nowadays, open source guys who can use Ruby, Python, Perl, etc., etc., all of a sudden, their, their currency has increased dramatically in the enterprise because all of a sudden they can do more bang for the buck because open source is growing so fast within these organizations. They can use things like Open Daylight. They can use OpenStack. They can consume over. So it makes the, CI, the CIO's job more difficult, but also he's getting more bang for the buck because the skills he's got inherently within staff 
benefit the organization and the company so much more. The community is actually standing up for itself, isn't it? Well, I still I, I remember an article that I saw a few years ago saying that the average Linux sysadmin administered something like 20 systems and the average Windows yeah, yeah, sysadmin yeah, yeah, yeah. administered seven or eight. Um, and that was thought of as kind of a aston astonishing difference in productivity. Now, the average system administrator in the cloud world is managing hundreds of systems and well, thousands, we've got yeah, or yeah. thousands of systems. And we've got tools like Puppet, uh, Chef, uh, orchestration service like Heat in, in OpenStack mm -hmm. that allows you to do that. And give you, we, we're, we've really got the tools there to, to make system administrators that much more um, productive. Mm -hmm. But also, there's there are additional kind of requests and additional requirements that are coming into the mix you need to know more programming you sure. need to be no more s more scripting and that's another thing that we've got a, a lot of in the latest overt releases that that the scripting capabilities and the the way you can schedule vms across across your data center has uh, vastly improved uh, so we're really tuning into that that movement there of, of of making system administrators more productive and you mentioned heat as well i mean the heat has gone from zero to hero 18 months ago now it, it's ubiquitous within within, within grizzly and with havana yep. as the templated way to go yeah and and especially with with the havana release with the hooks that have been put into place between heat and salometer salometer yeah, is yeah, the yeah. metrics and uh, measuring and, and uh, automation and Does measuring and Sorry, charge back and billing. Charge back and billing tool, and um, and you can now use probes that are that you set up in Solometer to uh, to to do orchestration of new services for, s for like auto scaling uh, in heat based on on metering that you do with with Solometer. So yeah, a lot of that, that cross service integration has been has been awesome as well. And later on in the week, we're going to be hearing about. Triple O and Triple O again has come from nowhere. The under cloud and over cloud methodology of pushing and provisioning your OpenStack cloud. Yeah, so the so the whole idea that you orchestrate top to bottom, that you don't have, uh, you don't even have to do your installation across servers, right? There, there's no such thing as an operating system in that world anymore. Um, that you're you have your core operating system and 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 you're deploying it from from one host. You're saying, okay, provision me these ten bare metal hosts, and then on top of that, I'm going to have my OpenStack cloud working. It's it's very interesting. Triple O and ironic, and uh, Tusker. We could even uh, Tusker is is, is it's another still tool. It's still bleeding edge, though, isn't it's, it? It's very bleeding edge, but it's it's one of those developments that I'm very excited about. It's going to be a, a, gra a kind of a graphical way to manage an OpenStack deployment across multiple hosts. But so it's not just manage; it's also design and deploy, isn't it? It's not just manage. It's, it's exactly. It's, and I think. If we look back in the day when people used to start thinking about deploying Linux and Linux was seen as potentially confusing for people coming back from the Windows world, there was tools out there like Webmin. Do you remember Webmin back in the day when you'd have this <laughs> horrible web interface where you'd go and turn and turn off Samba and NFS, etc., etc.? I think we've learned from that. I think tools like Tusk actually have learned from all the lessons that we went through back in the day. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, uh, it's, uh, I think you don't need to have one tool that's going to manage everything anymore. No. But uh, but really, in the OpenStack world now, a node, right? Whether I'm doing a compute node or or a network node or a storage node, it's just it's the Monty Taylor from HP earlier gave a presentation on Triple O, and he said these things are just like applications now, right? You just yeah. got to think of them in terms of packages. You're deploying a storage node is like installing the storage package, and uh, and I think that's a good way of thinking of it. So we have learned, yeah. I, I think we've done. Uh, I think I think the whole Triple O thing is incredibly powerful for the system administrator who understands how OpenStack is going to play out in the architecture piece because it's giving him more power to his elbow to go out there and do it without having to script it to a right. certain extent. 
and it's not just for the big guys, right? No, it's, no, exactly. It's, it's also going to make it really easy to deploy a kind of a five-node OpenStack cloud if that's all if if yep. that's all that you need. Um, it just takes all the effort out of it. You don't need to understand how all of the pieces fit together. The the kind of triple O with Ironic is going to just take care of all of that stuff for you. We were over at Fosdem in Belgium uh, in February. I'm back there for the 13th time this this coming February 2004, February 1st, 2nd. And Mark McLaughlin did his presentation on that Sunday morning to a packed room talking about fail early, fail often, the use of OpenStack in an architecture and service providers. And I think, again, certain service providers start to think, well, maybe OpenStack is the way that I want to go to start thinking about building my part of my public cloud, or at least the architecture behind my public cloud. And I think companies like Red Hat and also HP have been critical parts of the growth and the maturity of OpenStack over the last 18 to 24 months certainly you know with the amount of commits that, that that we've been able to put in right and i've seen i mean i was in a conference in paris last week the cloud and it expo and i spoke on a couple of panels there and and very much it was an early stage audience right there was a lot of people who were talking about software as a system uh, and a lot of hosters there who were presenting kind of hosted uh, hosted vms as a kind of a cloud solution mm -hmm. but um, it was very obvious to me that all of the hosters that were there were saying we need to have some kind of infrastructure as a service and it's going to be OpenStack. Yeah. That's the I, th I think that's where the sensible money is. But also, it's the groundswell behind it as well. Yes, you know, absolutely. It's, it's and, the and fact that there's a, it. there's a vibrant ecosystem. And in that world where you've got hosters who have traditional hosted VMs with uh, OpenStack alongside it, they're all looking at what are we going to use on the management layer, and that's where something like Manage IQ, I think, is going to be is going to be very, very valuable. I think if we can get that Manage IQ open sourcing done ASAP, that certainly helps the cause, doesn't it? Because it enables us to start thinking about the support of heterogeneous hypervisors across an environment. It doesn't matter what you've got, as long as you've got visibility, you'll be able to see it. Yeah, I agree. An agentless approach is a very sensible way of doing it. Dave, it's been great having you on the podcast. Thanks for making time. Thank you very much. So you were just listening to Dave Neary from Red Hat's OSAS team joining me at LinuxCon. Next up on the microphone, Gordon Half. Recording at LinuxCon Europe Cloud Open with Gordon Half, my opposite number. It's always great to see you, Gordon. Welcome to these shores. Great to see you. Glad you were able to make it up for this. Now, you're talking on Wednesday. What's the subject of your talk? Controlling clouds beyond, is it safe? Is it safe? It, you almost sound like Jaws. Is it safe to enter the water? So give me give, give me a rough approximation of what the talk's actually going to be about. So basically, we talk about three things. First of all, what is different about cloud computing from a not safety, but really an overall compliance, regulatory, security, etc. perspective. The second thing is what is not different or as my buddy Chris Hoff says, if your security practices suck in real life, they're well, suck they suck more. in the cloud, yes. It's gonna be even more amplified. And uh, thirdly, you know, we look at something like the uh, cloud controls matrix from Cloud Security Alliance. Sure. Sort of go through that for people who may not be as familiar with all the details of security and compliance and go through what some of the things you have to look at they go beyond this sort of newspaper headline you know the cloud is safe the cloud is unsafe i did a, or i was the topic of a, a small chapter in your book which came out earlier this year talking about cloud security and you're right i think a lot of these companies who are starting to think about those tentative steps in cloud need to start thinking about not just the governance they have in their data center but their governance model when they start thinking about working with an external partner or making that jump to open hybrid cloud 
Right. And I think one encouraging thing I see is that actually as I was uh, looking for some slides to update and so forth for this talk, I was looking around to pull out one of the classic you know, security as the number one inhibitor to the cloud. And actually most of those surveys I found were two, three years old. So I think maybe there's starting to be a broader recognition that this isn't just a narrow security or some narrow is it safe scare headline. I was reading with interest a few weeks ago a really good white paper that came out of a university in Calcutta in India which talked about a a, a post-Edward Snowden world in cloud because there were a lot of analysts out there and a lot of journalists out there um, who were saying that potentially the post-Snowden world had cost the cloud computer industry $130 billion in loss of revenue. I think a lot of people were putting their fingers in the, st in the wind and trying to jump up the figure. One of the things they were talking about was things like key management. If you own your keys and you're sensible with your key management and key verification policies, it's business as usual. Right, and I think there are certainly some legitimate things to think about here, and I think particularly with data, uh, locality, is it stored within your borders, was the legal regime connected to it with subpoenas and things like that. Sure. Those are absolutely relevant things for organizations to think about, but again, this comes back to they need to take a nuanced look at this. You know, does encryption help with proper key management, of course, does that help? Um, as opposed to just these scare headlines. The scare headlines don't help, but I think also what doesn't help as well is that back in the day when people were rolling up their own LAMP stacks and they were rolling out Apache servers, they were really, um, th their safety level was the amount of exposure that they had out there on the web. There was always going to be someone running Nmap who would work out a vulnerable version of SSH or SSL, et cetera, et cetera, out there. However, in the cloud, those those attacks become amplified very quickly, very, very, very succinctly in the way that you can lose reputation very quickly. Right, although I would actually argue that sort of to exaggerate just a little bit, everything is on the internet these days. It doesn't matter if we're talking a public cloud provider, sure. a private cloud, a colo facility or whatever. So I would argue that while what you say is true, organizations really need to think about security and compliance and so forth differently these days, sure. no matter where their applications are running. But then that gives more power to the elbow for things like OpenShift, supported OpenShift, because those versions of running promiscuous demons or services are kept up to the latest, greatest levels, which reduces your risk as a CIO or a CISO, potential man-in-the-middle attacks or known attacks against running services. Right, you know, whether we're talking OpenShift and platforms of service space, whether we're talking about using something like cloud forms to get this consistent provisioning, uh, I mean, automation is really your friend, no matter where you're doing it. And I think anybody who is trying to do things the old way without automation, they're going to get burned because there's just no way you can do things manually at the scale. I mean, forget about the no. forget about the cost. You just can't do it right. I, I think you know, in back in the old days. Disk space was an issue, so your log rotation policies basically were, you know, as soon as the disk got full, you dumped the logs. You can't do that in the cloud world. Simply you can't. Right. I mean, there, which I think just points to we need new ways of doing things. And in fact, I think we have them in many cases, but it's going to be a challenge for a lot of organizations because, you know, they're, they're really going to have to start adopting those new ways of doing things as they have these very network exposed and very hybrid environments. So what time is your talk Wednesday?
I'll put you on the spot. It's, I think it's Wednesday, uh, Wednesday afternoon. It's w- it's Wednesday right before lunch. Okay, excellent. So before lunch, make sure you get yourself over to the uh, uh, auditorium and, sp- and, and, and hear Gordon talk. Thanks very much for being on the podcast. Thanks, Richard.